the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close out the week, we do so with one final look at what we celebrate this time of year. Christmas, Christ's Mass, the birth of Christ, the coming of God. That's up next here on Abounding Grace. from Pastor Gary Wagner, his family, and all of us at Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Merry Christmas. What a joyful week to be celebrating the birth of Christ. And that's what we'll conclude this week in today's program with, our final look at Matthew chapter 1. Looking at verses 18 through 25 today, the message is called The Christmas Creed. It's an exploration of the birth of Christ and how it all came about. Join us as we are encouraged by the study of God's Word and specifically His first coming. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. Luke 6:46. Why do you call me Lord? Look at Matthew 7. Notice what Jesus says here so it really will be clear to you. Matthew 7:18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and thrown into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit you will know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Just look at that last line, and this time in my translation. The only people who go to heaven are people who do God's will. And obey Him. They are the only ones. Well, you might say, you can't say that. That seems like works righteousness. No, it is not. That is Jesus' power to save. Now, granted, our obedience and our submission is never perfect. But let's not caveat it so that we miss the force of it. Jesus says, I do this work in my people. That's why in Matthew 1, as we read earlier, his name is Jesus. He saves his people from their sins. He doesn't say he saves them from hell. Well, it does say that in other other places. But here, when his name is given, his name is Yahshua, Yahshua, God saves. He saves his people from their sins. He has saved you from yours because that's what it means when you come to Matthew 7. He is talking about the good tree and the bad tree. He's not trying to say, well, you know, there are some people who have enough good fruit and they get to go into heaven. And they, the other people who don't bear good fruit, they go to hell. So at the end of the day, it comes down to, you see, your good work. And does it outweigh your bad works? He says nothing of the kind. 
He says, my name is Jesus. And I save my people whom I know whom the Father has given to me in the council of eternity. I know my own. The Lord knows those who are his. And I save them from their sins. And that doesn't mean they're going to be perfect in this life. But I save them by taking away their appetite to sin. By helping them to resist some of those temptations. I give them a love for me, a desire for me. Oh, and it may be a struggle, and it is, for we are in the midst of warfare, the new nature warring against a remnant of the old nature. Some of us have sinned for so long that it has become like an ingrained response. Something bad happens in the world. Oh, it's the end of the world, and we worry about and we doubt But wait a minute, God, I forgot about him. He's in control of everything. But you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So much so, now listen, that when the sheep and the goats are divided, there will be a very clear demarcation that all of those going to heaven are those whom God saved. So because of that, salvation... They were doers of the will of God. Because of that salvation, they were doers of the will of God. And there won't be any mistakes. Well, I don't know. My life, I've pretty much done what I wanted to do. But I prayed the prayer. And I went to church. And I took communion. But I don't really know. If I once said no to me. Let's make it that simple. I don't know that when push came to shove and it was significant that I ever said once no to me and yes to God. I was always trying to get it to where it was yes on my side and if God could be pleased in it, great. But if I could manipulate, deceive, coerce, or bully my way into getting what I wanted, then I was happy. Now, you may be saying, that sounds extreme. No, it doesn't. That sums up most Americans and maybe some of you in here. Think on it. But Jesus says, I save my people so that it becomes their hunger and their thirst to be righteous in life because I save them from their sins. One more thought in Matthew 1. So we have a divine Savior, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. And notice how it ends in verse 23. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpret means God with us. In the garden, we know what happened after Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And God came down to enjoy usual fellowship with them, and they hid themselves. They didn't want any part of fellowship with God. They were afraid. But here's Jesus now, the Son of God, taking upon himself our flesh and restoring that glorious fellowship that Adam and Eve lost. Now remember who that fellowship is with. That's what I want to leave you with today. It was with the consuming fire. You know, it's not like 
Jesus, the Son of God, softened in one sense by becoming incarnate. Oh, yes, he sympathizes with us, and he is our high priest who intercedes for us. But remember, even those who saw him, like the apostles after his resurrection, there was a sense of John the apostle. You know, he had just reclined on Jesus during the Lord's Supper a short time before, and he enjoyed this physical contact. And yet he falls down at his feet like a dead man when he sees him after the resurrection. That same Christ dwells with us. Now let me ask you a question. Since God is with us, and we are now reconciled with God through Christ, and I hope you are, because that is the foundation of your confidence, that God loves you, and you will walk out of here today a saved man, a saved woman, a saved young person. That God is reconciled to me and you. Not because of any good in me, but because the Son of God humbled himself and became obedient until death, born of the Virgin Mary, who offered a perfect, spotless sacrifice. So we are reconciled. God looks upon me, not as an angry judge any longer. He was only that toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he is our friend who gives us his fatherly love and his mercy. Know that, beloved, and rejoice in it. Be changed by it. And remember, Jesus never, never, never leaves us. God with us, Emmanuel. But we have problems with our parents. We have problems with our spouses, our children, our jobs. We live in this fallen world. We have problems with ourselves. We have problems problems. You have problems. I have problems. Everyone does. No one is problem free. But please remember, God is with us. Emmanuel, which means he is way bigger than any of my problems and any of my fears. So I need to lay down my fears and my concerns and I need to take them to my Savior. Beloved, he cares about us. You can take to him even your doubts. Lord, I'm not sure if I know you. You need to take that right to him because really, if you take it to him, it's probably a sign you do know him. Lord, I've got this nagging health issue. Lord, I've got this job situation. Lord, I'm struggling with this sin. Well, actually, I'm not struggling with it anymore. I'm going to it all the time. Oh, I hate it. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to, 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 to do it any longer, Lord. All I want to do is to know you and fall down before you and tell you everything and ask you to heal me of that sin eating away at me. Heal me of my sin blindness. Bring me out of this tomb. I don't know what else to do but to keep calling on your name. My friend, do just exactly that. God is with us and he cares about us. You know, you could not reach your hand up to God. God had to reach his hand down to you and his son, and he did. So embrace it. Enjoy fellowship with him, my friends. The Lord Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Abide in my word. And you'll bear much fruit. Pray, asking in my name, and you'll bear much fruit. By the way, he also says, 
Make sure you're praying for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you doing that? In Matthew seven eleven, we read, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, and I hope no one tomorrow is giving any stones or snakes as presents to your children, then how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And the parallel in Luke makes it clear that the good things are primarily the Holy Spirit. Are you praying for this? Remember who the Holy Spirit is. He is the bond between us and Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the fullness of grace. How do you think Jesus, our mediator, was able to endure in his flesh what he endured? And overcame temptation and had the wisdom he had. It was from the Holy Spirit. We read this in Isaiah 11 and in John chapters 3 and 4. 3 and 4. And that same Holy Spirit, beloved, is promised to us. Oh, some of us need wisdom. Ask, please, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And then... You read the Word of God, and He will give you the wisdom. Lord, I need moral courage to resist my sins. I want to grow as a Christian. I want to be useful in my calling. I just don't want to punch the time clock for the next 30 or 40 years and then retire and go and do my own thing. I want to live for you. I want to seek first your kingdom and righteousness. But my heart, I feel, is so divided at times, and I forget So, Lord, I bring this to you. Give me your Holy Spirit so I can walk in obedience to you. God is with us, beloved. By the way, that's not something you do. It's not, well, you follow these three things and God will be with you. You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and God will be with you. So we ought to live meekly before the Lord. In closing, let me give you some New Year's resolutions. Listen, I'll give you three. Taken from Mike 6, 8, my life verse. He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do those three things, and God's blessings will flow to you. Put them before your gym time and your weight problem and those dust mites that might be hiding under your bed and, of course, before Facebook. And do justly. Lord, I want to walk obedient to you. Jesus is very keen on obedience. Are you keen on obedience? Am I? I mean, that's the whole glory of the Christian faith, that the Son of God took upon Himself our flesh and suffered and died for us to change us from rebels into those who want to obey God and now have the strength to do it. Walk justly means to walk righteously, to walk in obedience to God. Everyone here needs to be looking, where am I not in obedience? Is is it in the way I use my time? The way I use my money in my Sabbath keeping or not Sabbath keeping, family, my tongue, what I look at. I've got to get serious about my obedience because 
God is with me. Emmanuel has come. This is his age. This is not the age of Trump. This is not the age of, oh, happy days are here again. This is the age of the Messiah. And if I would know him and fellowship with him, I need to do justly and walk obediently. It also says here to love mercy. So there's no thought here of, well, you know, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Unless you love God's mercy. Because without it, you cannot walk justly. We must cling to his mercy and tell others about it. Do I always see myself as someone who is saved by God's grace alone? But boy, wouldn't that change you and I? You've probably known Christians, I have, who always seem like they're ready to talk about the gospel with anyone. They always seem to be, you know, soft around the edges in the best sense of the word, gentle and ready to defend the faith. I think it's because they love mercy. And they haven't forgotten. I'm saved by God's mercy alone. Oh, you think about that. That does something to a person. It softens the heart. It gives a new agenda for life. Not winning arguments. But did I present the holy, holy God as a God who loves mercy and delights in mercy? Because he is a God of mercy. And then lastly, to walk humbly with your God. This is the one I want to particularly emphasize. Walk humbly. Well, I think I walk humbly, you might say. Let's go to one more passage. Matthew 3, 8. We see some of the very first public comments here that John the Baptist said about Jesus. Notice how he describes him. The Sadducees and the Pharisees come out to be baptized, and John tells them, verse 7, O generations of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bring forth fruits worthy of repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. Your relationship with Abraham won't do you any good. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up unto children unto Abraham. So just having Jewish blood, of course, doesn't get you anything. And then he says, And now the axe is already laid unto the fruit of the tree. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. As for me, and here is the verse, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose winnowing fork is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but he will, he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. And that is God, who now walks with us, and that Micah says we are to walk humbly with him. You know, that's why Thomas, when he saw Christ in that room, he saw his wounds and he remembered the prophecies and Jesus opened his eyes to understand the scriptures and all he could do is, Jesus says, touch me, Thomas. Go ahead, Thomas, right here. I'm the son of God. You've seen what I've done. Here are my wounds. Put your hand right here. And all Thomas could say is, my Lord, my God. And we walk with this God. So let me encourage you. 
to uncover some of the glory of being Christians just in the sense of God is with us. So that we ask ourselves little questions throughout the day that really are huge questions. Who am I seeking here? Is it me and my desire and my will? Or is it Jesus? Am I seeking God's kingdom here? Or is it just my own will coming out again? What if my husband doesn't do exactly what I want him to do? You know, he didn't take care of something around the house or whatever it may be. And I can't believe that. I wanted it this way. Whose will here becomes the God of the universe? It is, is it my will or is it the will of Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me? Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's a little bit of what it means to live as God is with us. And you young adults, or you may feel a little pressure from your parents. And then, you know, your wings get a little bit longer and you want to flex them and you act like, I know better than you do. I mean, you don't say that because you don't want to get your face slapped, but that's your attitude. I want to do this, or I would rather go to this church, or I really don't want to. You need to be careful. First of all, if Jesus obeyed his mama on the cross, and you don't obey and honor your mama in the kitchen when she just fixed you dinner, and when everything is nice, you better watch out, because his judgment will rest upon you. And second of all, he died on the cross to make us mama and daddy obeyers. Well, what about if I'm 18? What about it? What about if I'm 21? What about it? All that means is, and listen to this, that the world and the devil have convinced 18 and 21-year-olds that when you hit that age, you are then competent to go to hell under your own steam. That's all it means. Instead of saying, it is particularly then that I should honor and obey as I mature. Yes, there is an adult relationship here. And parents do need to be much more sensitive this, than, to this than they usually are. Because at one level, the relationship does change. And you become fellow disciples. So that there is a mutual submission in the Lord but you are still their son or their daughter and you are called to honor them for we walk before the face of God. God is reconciled to me. I am forgiven. Am I pleasing him? What about my tongue and my thoughts? What about what I look at? You might say, oh, you don't know how hard a battle it is doing these things. Yes, I do. But what I think about in the thoughts from the past, Pastor Gary, you just don't understand. Well, even if I, you think I don't, Jesus does. We must have the fellowship and accountability of the body. But at the end of the day, what Scripture holds up to us men in terms of purity, preserving our vessel and our sanctification and honor, it is not, you know, that we glean from everyone else's stories of failure and virtue. It is that Jesus Christ was tempted in every way like we have been. Even though He was the Son of God, He was tempted and He understands 
So take it all to him. Fly to him because he is God with us. So glorious is Christmas in the sense of what our creeds even talk about. He was conceived of who? The Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, God with us. Meditate on these things today and tomorrow. Rejoice in them. As I have said so many times, Christians should be the happiest people on this planet. And it is not because you get what you want from good old St. Nick. It is because what God Almighty has done for us in Christ. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.